This episode is brought to you by Bloat Games. Hiya folks, Old Man Grognard here. If you're looking for games that combine the classic RPG feel with the light, concise rule set of today's indie games in a variety of genres, you gotta check out Bloat Games. Their Survive This Rules take a cue from the old-school games of yore and combine them with a stripped-down but easy-to-understand mechanic that plays fast and fun, giving you an exciting, thrilling game session every time. Whether it's fighting off zombies, swinging a great axe and slinging spells in dark, dangerous, creature-filled forests, riding your 10-speed bike through monster-infested suburbs, or keeping the city streets safe from super-powered menaces, the Survive This System is the one that'll keep your players coming back to the table. Check out these great RPGs, in addition to card games and other fantastic things they offer, at bloatgames.squarespace.com or at drivethroughrpg.com. Bloat Games. The worlds are fiction, but the fun is real. Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard. The OSR podcast about stuff. With your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here, hope you're all doing well Bit of a great day, I think some sun's coming out, we'll see how it goes Well, today I'm going to talk more about, a little about hex crawling But before I do that, I do have a voicemail from John Allen Large of the Red Dice Diaries Go ahead, John Hey there Glenn, it's John here from the Red Dice Diaries I'm just listening to your No For Tone episode And I've got to say I pretty much agree If you're going for a certain tone or theme with a campaign world There's certain things that just don't fit uh, and I find like session zeros are really useful for that. You sort of set out your stall at the start, so to speak, and let your players know what is and is not available. So, for instance, um, in my old school essentials campaign I'm running at the minute, in the sort of session zero, I let people know that there were black powder weapons, but it was only at a sort of flintlock level, nothing beyond that. So they knew that going into it and what they could do about it. But I know there are people who sort of get a little bit annoyed if you can't sort of use all of the options. But if you're trying to go for a specific theme or sort of style of game, I 100% agree with you that you have to sort of trim a few bits down, so to speak. And obviously there are times where if you have a bit of a discussion with the player in question, which would always be my first sort of suggestion, maybe you can sort of finagle things around and fit stuff in or sort of reskin them or whatever. So they've got the essence of what they want, but it fits with your campaign world. But as you rightly say, sometimes for the sort of tone and the sake of the game, you've just got to put your foot down and say, no, sorry, you can't have that, and that's just the way it is. Anyway, dude, I enjoyed the episode. I'm going to get back to listening to the end of it now. Take care, and I'll catch you soon. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, it's just, well, like I said in the in the episode, it's the tone thing. And yeah, I will try and almost bend over backwards for players who want to work a certain concept in the game and work with them to see if we can figure out how to do it without breaking the game, without breaking the tone of the game or the, you know, the feel of the game. But at the same time, you know, if it just ain't going to work, it just ain't going to work. And you got to say, no, come up with something else or something like that. Fortunately, I have a great group of players in the Monday game who always, the GM always tries to work with us as players. And as a GM, I work with them and they're okay with it. And so... I guess I, once again, I feel blessed with that, but, but yeah, there's, there's groups there where you just gotta like, okay, this is the game I'm going to run. And that's, 
you know, and you, we can fit, fit the what you want to do in there. Okay, fine. If not, well, we're gonna you have to figure out something else, or maybe not you not play or something. You know, or I don't run, or so I don't know. But thank you, John. I appreciate it. Always great to hear you. All right, hex crawling. What I want to talk about hex crawling today is I got all this stuff in my head about hex crawling. I got all these I got PDFs and books and stuff to read about hex, and really good stuff. But how do you apply that to a published world? Like, say, the Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk or, or Midderlands or something like that. Because you've already got established stuff. And I was thinking about that because I wanted to try, I want to do some hex, you know, hex crawl campaign with my players. But at the but I want to use Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. Well, now the obvious, because sometimes I run my own world, sometimes I run a published world. And the obvious solution probably would be to, okay, well, just take the game system and do your own world. But when you got a game system like Astonishing Swordsman or some other world like that that's so locked into the, the tone and the feel is so locked into there, Hyperborea. How would I hex crawl in Hyperborea when there's stuff already... They've already laid stuff out there. That's what I'm saying. Well, first of all, I don't think you should lose any sleep over it because there's always a way. Uh, what I would do is start them in a wilderness-type setting that is close to what you... that, that It's pretty much close to the wilderness, very kind of rural with maybe a town or two, let's just look, I just look at the map and say, okay, I'll put them here. Say there's some, some published uh, published uh, game supplement or something. It's okay, I'll put them here in the fugly woods or something. And just go from there. Because, oh, okay, the fugly wood, this hex has a town over here. It's got a ruins over here. And two hexes away, there's uh, on an abandoned monastery or a, a mine or something like that. So they've got, what I would do is try and look at the hex you want to start them in. And then I'd look at the ring of hexes around it for two hexes, for two, two, two rings of hexes. I don't know how to say it around it and see what's there. And, you know, you may have enough to go with and, it won't be a problem, or you may be near a big city, so that's established stuff, so you'd have to take that into consideration. But there is, should be enough room there to, you should be enough room to to do what you want to do, to to let them go crazy without having, oh, I'm running into, uh, I'm running into Slagtown over here, I'm going to have to look up Slagtown and stuff. I mean, yeah, you're going to do that to a certain extent. But at the same time, you know, you want to fit your own stuff in. Now, I'm talking about somebody who wants to work with the world. Working with the world. Not somebody who said, oh, I'm just going to jettison the world and just use a system. But like I told you before, this isn't the case. This is not the case I'm dealing with right now. This is, or this is not the case I'm showing you. Because you can do that. At that, at that point, you're just basically doing, you know, doing your own thing, coming up with your own world, or, or actually using the system for your own your own world. But like I said, if you do something like Astonishing Swordsman, and I'm sure there's other systems out there, I just can't think of them. 
But if you're doing that, it's one of those games where this rule system is tightly locked into the world. So this is why you're doing it this way. So, you know, I'm going backwards on what I said, but it's the same thing. So I would do that and see what critters are in that world. Like in Midderlands, you've got some really weird creatures in there already. And see how that would mesh with what you want to do. Going back to Astonishing Swordsman, though. So I'd take the hex I want to work, and then I'd look around it. And then it, I'd go back to the uh, filling in the blanks example, the filling in the blanks book example, of breaking that hex into subhexes and see what's there. Because if you've got a good... All I need is one good hex in a world and uh, that I can do what I want with. I can make this work. I look at that one hex and then look at this. If there's nothing there, oh, it's a forest. Or, oh, it's plains. Oh, it's, you know, it's a coastline. Part of a coastline, there's nothing there. Well, good. I start rubbing my hands and rolling up my sleeves and getting down to work and zoom into the subhex. Because once you start drilling down, that's where the that's where the fun starts. That's where you say, okay, there's this here, there's that here, and you can put you can put campaign specific things in there for them to find. And if they wander off hex, well, hell, you've you've looked at the two hexes, you look at the two rings hexes around it, say, okay, they're here, they're going to deal with that, and if it's a stuff that's part of the published thing. You know, go for it. But you've got enough in one hex. If I've got enough in one hex to work it that way, I will work it that way. That's 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 how the basis of what I'm doing right now. So I think you get what I'm saying here. Just pick one hex and work that hex. Because if it's a 60-mile hex, like the Filling in the Blanks book says, and it breaks up into one point, I think six mile hexes, sub hexes. You got plenty to work with right there. Plenty. So that's my suggestion on using a published world for a hex crawl. If anybody else has any suggestions, I'd love to hear them. In fact, I'm going to go start my day so you can, if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything or suggestions or anything, oldmangrognardgmail.com or you can drop a voicemail on Anchor. We're monetized to so as little as 99 cents a month. You too can help support this program, and I would thank you. Thanks again to Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan, Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, John Allen, Michael, Roger, and Randy. Thank you, guys. Don't forget to listen to Dan Gregg's Young Y-U-N-G, Young Gragnar podcast. Mark C. Walring's The Yawning Owlbear podcast. We also have Big John Allen Larges, The Red Dice Diaries. Don't forget to listen to them. Those guys, Randy Nichols and those guys over at Biggest Geekus are fun to listen to, too. And don't forget my friend Eric Tinko's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Radio Grognard.